0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. Lou Weiss is out on assignment, and joining me is Senior Correspondent Norbert Orr, who is also the Director of Industry Surveys for Strategas. Uh If you want to participate in these surveys, there's some great advantages of getting two reports that the general public and even the general manufacturing does not receive about how manufacturing is doing both In the U.S. and globally, and Norbert, you and I are going to start this discussion off today with how things look in the U.S. I'm particularly curious about what might happen with these trade deals. Norbert?
1: Yeah, very good. Uh, Thanks, Tim. Uh, This is an interesting week. I spent the first half of the week in Montreal and Toronto. Uh, It was obviously a a, a little more uh, weather-oriented than uh, what I'm used to here in Atlanta, (laughs) Uh, But uh, the people were warm and uh, businesses warm, uh, uh, warm, uh, uh, very, very, very warm in uh, those two big cities in Canada. And I think the rest of Canada and USMCA will only help them uh, as it will help us uh, uh, open up some markets that uh, have been closed to them in the past. So uh, let's start with... uh, uh, U.S. manufacturing, there's a real contrast right now between manufacturing and non-manufacturing, and I'd like to to touch on that just a little bit. Uh, Manufacturing is is bordering on and kind of skirting a a mild recession, Uh, and by our measure, that would mean uh, an index of 50 or less uh, for six months in a row. Uh, we're not quite there, and again, this is very, uh, very, very mild uh, downturn in the economy. Uh, I think you have to best frame it by the fact that we had uh, back in 17 and 18, we had six, uh, 16 months of indexes above the 60 level. Now, uh, in terms of uh, where does that fit? That is a rare occurrence for the type of survey that we do, and it shows the strength that we had coming out of November 2016, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why we see things uh, a little soft right now is uh, 60 for 16 months is something that is totally unsustainable, (laughs) Right. And, and it's proven it once again. Uh, just, just to give you a, a perspective, remember, our end, the indexes we work with are measuring change. How much change is there from last month to this month? Well, a, a reading of 60 represents a 20% improvement over the prior month. And so 16 wow. months in a row like that is, uh, is hot, hot, hot and uh... so after a, a period of time like that you eventually uh... uh run, run out you know, it's kinda like a car that'll go along for uh... uh, this, uh, uh the interstate for seventy miles an hour for six or seven hours eventually it's got to be refilled and uh... you have to take some time out and, and you can't keep uh... motoring in that way and the economy is uh... is the same way so I think manufacturing is in a normal cycle. Uh, One of the questions I got in Canada quite often was, hey, this is going on for 10 years now. Or I I should say, I guess if it's in Canada, they say, hey, uh, this has gone on for 10 years now.
0: Uh, Right.
1: and, And my answer was, yes, but. Uh, there's been three mini-cycles within those 10 years, and and we're in the third of those mini-cycles right now. There there was a mini-cycle that was driven by automotive. There was a mini-cycle that was driven by housing and services. And now we're in a mini-cycle of recovery that's giving us a chance to to kind of reboot the economy. So uh, manufacturing... uh, this month was at 47.2, soft. I look for that to to go. I think this is the bottom, and I look for that to come back. Whether we make it above 50 next month, uh, you know, uh, getting from 47.2 to 50 is fairly easy, because it's it's simply returning to the mean, and so right. a natural uh, progression that. Uh, that's involved there, and so getting to 50 is easy. Getting to 53 is more difficult, or getting to 55, which would be 10% month over month, that's more difficult. So uh, when we look at what's going on in manufacturing, we can see where the problem is. Uh, We focus on the 18, and ISM focuses on the 18- manufacturing industries that are composed of durable goods and non-durable goods. Well, out of those 18, only three of those are growing right now. And so uh, everybody is going through a uh, kind of a correction on the manufacturing side. Right. So uh, they say, say, well, then how do people say the economy is so good right now? Well, manufacturing is 12% of GDP. Non-manufacturing is closer to 48% of GDP. And the story in manufacturing, in non-manufacturing is non-manufacturing index this month is 55, which is a 10% improvement month over month. So non-manufacturing is doing well. And then our check against that is well, there's just coincidentally there's 18 Non-manufacturing industries, how many of those are growing? Well, uh, 15 out of 18 are growing. So if you want to know where the activity is in the uh, U.S. economy right now, it's certainly uh, the non-manufacturing sector, industries like housing, uh, services, uh, small businesses, uh, those are all pushing the envelope. Well, in terms of growth for the non-manufacturing sector. So we, we see a, 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 a big contrast. It also is common that manufacturing, and this is why we pay more attention to manufacturing, even though it's smaller, is change shows up quicker. And so a slowdown in manufacturing becomes quite obvious much sooner than a slowdown in non-manufacturing. And non-manufacturing Tends not necessarily to take, uh, uh, to, to slow down through, through these types of uh, things. So the key here is watch employment. Uh, the non manufacturing index has an employment component, but more importantly, uh, the whole non manufacturing survey is an indicator of employment. And as long as employment stays good, uh, this economy will remain solid. Manufacturing will recover, and we'll keep going. Now, I would have said that, but you have to pass the trade agreements. Now we know we have. Right. So, really, the the door is the door is open, and we have the opportunity to to really move the uh, both uh, the, the whole U.S. economy. Uh, to move it forward in a way we haven't. We, we may never have seen anything like this in terms of uh, the potential growth for the next year.
0: Well, question, Norbert, were the, the trade agreements uh, that we had with China and NAFTA, I realize NAFTA was 25 years old and should be renegotiated probably every five years, but were they really that bad?
1: Yeah. Um, they, I don't think they were so bad. They were just not focused with where our economy, our economy has changed dramatically over 25 years. Okay. Uh, and uh, whether you call it NAFTA 2.0 or 3.0 or 4.0 <laughs> or, or what, what you choose to call it, uh, uh, USMCA, I think, uh, covers that. I, I think it's covering the right things. It's going to do a lot for agriculture, both in the U.S. and in Canada. Canada is just as interested in the agricultural aspects of, of this as, as we are. So, uh, some of it's trade between the two of us, uh, others is trade with uh, other countries that opens up uh, uh, the opportunity, certainly. China is a huge consumer with a food. Uh, uh, Production problem, right? So they have to have somewhere and have a good supply. So uh, the the question is, in my mind, can we set up a good buyer-seller relationship? Uh, When when I look at at China and what's going on and so on with that, I I I worry. Uh, Is this uh, is this? I, I relate it back to my days in purchasing. When I say, is this somebody I really want to do business with? Is this somebody <laughs> right. I can count on. Uh, I, I, you know, and on a few occasions I did business with people I didn't want to do business with, but it was a Market, and they could get away with it uh, quite handily. So uh, it was really an opportunity to um, uh, to to be able to. Uh, uh, um, move forward with uh, uh, a company that I needed.
0: Right. Well, that's what I'm hearing about the USMCA and uh, China Phase One. Uh, USMCA in particular seems to be a very favorable trade agreement for all parties, um, and China Phase One is a step in the right direction.
1: Right. Well, I think you know if you watch the talking heads. Uh, and hear what they have to say. In most cases, uh, they have a uh, five-word opinion of, oh, it's a wonderful deal, or <laughs> uh, uh, or it's a really bad deal. Uh, but the reality is the people that work with it and, and the people that I talk to are saying, hey, the more we read into this, this is they did a heck of a job. And so uh, reality looks to be... Uh, uh, very positive as opposed to a, to a negative. And I think that, you know, the next, uh, the next leg of this, we've already got a trade deal with Japan. And I suspect as soon as uh, the U.K. gets through Brexit, they will very quickly work to, toward a very favorable trade relationship between the U.S. and, and the U.K., uh, in order to help the U.K. and to uh, further our own goals as to uh, uh, financial services in Europe, financial services in Asia.
0: Right. Well, it's interesting because China just yesterday reported uh, that their economy was operating at the lowest, slowest pace in three decades. So obviously they wanted to get a trade deal in place. How does that look for China and are they, in fact, in the doldrums?
1: Well, uh, the data that comes out of China is hard to interpret. We have to, right. We, we have to rely on them to tell us. And uh, they, they came out, and I think it was 6.1% growth in GDP or
0: 6.2%. 6one you're correct.
1: With the expectation that we would go in 2020 down to 58 possibly. Frankly, the Chinese uh, economy is so uh, decentralized, uh, you know, th- there's uh, uh, 160 cities of a million population or greater in China. So right. So it's really fractured to the degree that uh, to think you could ever get a good measurement of uh, I I always think of one one of the business books that I, I've cherished. Is one of the advice in it is begin with the end in mind.
0: Right, Stephen Covey. I
1: I, I wonder if uh, China doesn't begin with the end in mind, and they tell us what the uh, GDP uh, growth rate is, and then they go about trying to prove that that's the case. Uh, <laughs> so it's difficult for us to. Uh, uh, to, to accept what they've got. But we, we know they have a, a, a middle class of about 300 million people. Uh, some of the news this morning is that car sales aren't quite as good, but they're also stopping, uh, slowing down subsidies for cars, electric cars in particular. So uh, they're trying to, to, uh, to I, you know, I would think China at this stage of their maturity, maintaining a 5 to 6% growth rate. Would be a um, would be a real positive.
0: Uh, and you make an interesting point at this stage in their maturity. You're right. I mean, the, the economy gets to a point like ours where you're running a twenty trillion dollar economy. You wouldn't expect it to grow by ten percent. It's just too big an economy to move that quickly. And China's is now running a twelve trillion dollar. GDP, so it's kind of tough to grow a $12 trillion GDP, <laughs> and I look at 6% GDP growth that they've reported year after year after year. I'd have to go back and do the math to see if, in fact, their GDP is really growing at that kind of a rate.
1: Yeah, I work with some people that are really good at putting that together, and uh, we think that uh, the 5 to 6% is right. Uh, if they said it was 10%, we would certainly take exception to it.
0: Right. So the rest of Asia, uh, I imagine, is riding on China's coattails. Uh, does India in any way operate kind of independently, or, or are they kind of, uh, you know, how in school books they say, you know, the way Texas goes is the way the country goes? In the economy of Asia, is the way China goes, the way India, Thailand, Pakistan, Vietnam, the rest of them go? Uh,
1: Yeah, and uh, interestingly, uh, I I keep a chart on all of those except India, because India is kind of to itself, the problems they're trying to resolve in terms of, uh, the, the caste system and, and, and everything that is uh, part of their, their recent history uh, right. they, they have different issues uh, uh, I have uh, uh, interestingly uh, two uh, guys uh, both of them have returned to India they came over here for education and some work experience and both of them have gone uh, to, uh, back to India and move their families back and so on and so uh, uh, starting the new year uh, uh talked to both of them uh the indian economy is growing at a, a probably a, a 3 to 4% growth uh it, it's pretty solid uh, they they have infrastructure issues uh just from a population standpoint and uh rapid growth and uh... they don't have zoning they don't have things that uh... uh... That, that provide structure to build around and so on uh... but at the end of the day India is doing very well right now and one of the uh, global leaders i think in terms of uh... in terms of growth uh, then when we touch on the other uh... uh... countries in, in terms of asia uh, you know, South Korea is at 50.1. Uh, China, one surveys at 10, uh, 50.2, the other surveys at 51.5. Uh, Japan's at 5048.4. Uh, uh, Singapore is 50. Arguably there's no change month over month in all of that. Uh, when we see a 50 point1 reading 50 point2 that uh, 50 would be absolutely no change but 50 point1 certainly indicates there's there's hardly any change whatsoever taking place the the star uh, performer there is Taiwan uh, Taiwan uh, in the last 13 months has gone from the lowest economy in the Asian group uh, to the highest at uh i think that's an indication that uh china is doing better uh taiwan and china are tied very closely together um politically they're miles apart economically there there's an interdependence right between them and um I I, I think we see uh, Taiwan uh, developing, and it's with the help of China.
0: Okay. So let's jump over to Europe and and looking at uh, the U.K. in particular, because in two weeks they are out of the EU.
1: Right. The, the UK in fact I, I can give an on-site report because I was in London for a conference in December and uh, in general there um, and it was very obvious that uh, with the Boris Johnson government and so on uh, they're ready to to do what they have to do I think uh, brexit is going to be a lot like y2k, Y2K. <laughs> You know, maybe we should call that
0: Y2K 2.0. Uh, right. Yeah, that was supposed think... supposed to be all of this disaster in the making because of Y2K, and it really wasn't uh, what it was meant out to. And I would agree that I, I, we hear a lot about Brexit, and, and the English economy is going to go into a depression, and it's just going to be horrible. I would agree with you. I don't think it's going to be any of that.
1: You know, and uh, as we as we talk about it, I, I think in terms of we're in, aren't we in the middle of the Trump recession? Because everybody said that there was going to be a recession now, uh, and right. it was going to start uh, a year and a half ago, I guess, or more. Um,
0: right, and two and a half years ago, and the day he got elected, and <laughs> right.
1: Uh, and so uh, we, we've dodged that bullet, assuming that it ever was – well, and I guess with all of the uh, – politically, we don't want to talk about bullets. So uh, anyway, <laughs> we, we've dodged, dodged that event.
0: Right. So I, I suspect uh, England will dodge Brexit. And so what does their economy look like now? I mean, they're just finishing up all of this turmoil after three years.
1: Well, they've got to kind of get back to basics, I think, in terms of manufacturing and, and building rebuilding some of its manufacturing base uh, from that. They, uh, you know they want to maintain the financial services industry. And uh, since most of it is located in uh, London, I, I think they'll do that. Uh, and that's where the, you know a financial services company, Uh, basically uh, their product is their people. And so you don't just move from London to Paris or London and Brussels move that whole segment because it's the people that have the knowledge and they're all in London. Mm -hmm. So I I think we'll see that that develop. Uh, If anything, Uh, it probably will do what what we've seen here, and that's uh, generate more deregulation within the British economy, Uh. uh, within within the U.K., and uh, they should come out of it uh, much better. Uh, They should have a currency that people want to work with and should have uh, an advantage. Uh, Sterling should have an advantage over – the uh, EU currency, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the euro uh, it works for some countries, uh, it, particularly if you're a debtor country, a big-time debtor country, uh, it works for them to hide behind it. Uh, but anyway, I, I really see uh, the U.K. coming out of this stronger. Now, the U.K. manufacturing index this month was at 475 uh, it's been – it was strong until uh, April of 19, and then it turned down, and that's when they really started getting into stumbling over Brexit. Uh, right. That, that pushed that down. I look for that to come back.
0: Okay. And, and the EU, will it benefit or suffer from this departure?
1: Uh, well, it's going to get both. Um <laughs> The, you know, the EU is, uh, I think, 24 countries uh, that uh, make up the, the EU. Uh, I follow the Eurozone, which is the top eight countries. Uh, right. Greece, France, Ireland, Netherlands, Spain, Italy, Austria, Germany. Uh, most of those are about like uh, the readings we saw, hovering around 50 Uh, The exceptions are Greece is at 53.9. How large the manufacturing sector is in Greece is uh, uh, somewhat suspect, uh, but they're they're producing a good number right now. And everybody else is uh, relatively in a no-change mode. Uh, Germany is the the outlier to the downside at 43.7. They have been below fifty for two months now, mm-hmm. and uh, they've struggled with uh, the, the, they've strugg- struggled with uh, exports and so on. Uh, they've got problems with immigration. Uh, the the, uh, the export issue is all about autos, and one of the reasons is they've decentralized the, the auto production to. Where you know we we have uh, Mercedes, we have Porsche, we have uh, major uh, brands that are produced in Germany that are uh, starting to produce products here, and so I, I think some of that weakness is just simply that their their uh, uh, customers have uh, moved to buying products from other parts of the world.
0: So as we uh, approach. Uh, the end of this uh, podcast, give us kind of a wrap up on how things look for 2020, because I don't know that I see any bubbles that could burst and cause a serious down- economic downturn. Do you
1: well, uh, No. And and what I think we should expect for 2020 is uh, because we uh, signed those trade deals this uh, week uh doesn't mean that business next week is necessarily going to be better. Uh, it's going to take a while to integrate that. It's going to take a while to get uh, supply arrangements in place. Uh, it's going to take a while to work out the new logistics patterns and so on from that. So uh, that's going to be a, a, a positive all year, and uh, it, it'll be like, like uh, building a snowman. We roll, 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 and we add, uh, add more to it. Uh, how fast is going to be dependent upon uh, you know how good is the soy, soybean crop this year? Is, do we have a big surplus? Do we have a small surplus? What what happens from that? But in general, it's going to uh, it's going to be more positive. Uh, you know th- there is really n- no connection between what the stock market does and what manufacturing does, as we can see right now. You, uh, if, uh, if there were, the manufacturing index would be at 75 uh, <laughs> compared to uh, the stock market and, and what it means. Uh, so uh, I, I think we, we've got a good year in front of us. Uh, from a financial standpoint, uh, I, uh, uh, I, I'd rather talk about manufacturing than talk about the financials. The one thing I look at is earnings uh... Our, our earnings keeping up with the market and so on if they are then the markets going to get better If they don't uh... then uh... uh we're going to hit a flat spot or a downdraft uh... Mm-hmm. Like that so there's uh... we have an opportunity uh, uh, and you know obviously this uh... impeachment issue uh... has an overhang that can put a cloud on uh, on just about everything. Um, so we'll have to see how how we work through that. But in, uh, otherwise, uh, it should be a, a another good year for the U.S. manufacturing sector g- gaining momentum uh, throughout the year.
0: Well, Norbert, thanks once again for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We always appreciate your insights and your reports, and uh, we're always fascinated by the the scattergram or the scatter plot that you put together on the purchasing managers' indexes around the, the globe. You follow 18 of them and some regional surveys. So, thank you once again for being with us.
1: My pleasure, as always.
0: Oh, great. We'll talk to you again next month. And we've been speaking with Norbert Orr, who is the director of industry surveys for Strategus. He's also a senior correspondent with Manufacturing Talk Radio. And this show, along with all of our shows, will be posted at mfgtalkradio.com, a Jacket Media Company podcast, along with uh, Women in Manufacturing, Where's Willie? Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman, full-time with Amy. So check back, check often, because we also post uh, news stories uh, with some regularity on Manufacturing Talk Radio at mfgtalkradio.com. And we've got quite a library of both news stories and these shows. So once again, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio.
1: Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com.